the first lesson this evening is the reading of part four of the history of the Passion of our Lord, Jesus before Pilate and Herod. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate the governor. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that he was condemned, he repented and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since they are blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have handed him over. Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. This was to fulfill the word which Jesus has spoken to show by what death he was to die. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ the King. Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the King of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over to the Jews. But my kingship is not from from the world. Pilate said to him, So, you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born. And for this I have come into the world, to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no crime in him. But when Jesus was accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge. So the governor wondered greatly. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. 
And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. So Herod questioned him at length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. They arrayed him in gorgeous apparel and sent him back to Pilate, and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Part 4 of the History of the Passion of Our Lord. The text for the evening is from Mark chapter 12. Let's stand for the reading of the gospel, shall we? And the Sadducees came to him, who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers, The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living, You are quite wrong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. During these uh, midweek services, we've been thinking about the confrontations that Jesus had with with his enemies, with the religious leaders. Uh, You know, in the Gospel of Mark early on, the religious leaders of the Jews had decided they wanted to kill Jesus. And now here he was, just a day or two before he was to be arrested and killed. Within the the walls of Jerusalem and confronting all the religious leaders, and they came like a parade, one after another, playing the game, stump the carpenter. And so far they failed. So now come the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the the priestly aristocrats of the Jews. Their positions in the church, in in Judaism, were passed on from generation to generation. And the Sadducees accepted only the first five books of the Old Testament as as Bible. The Pentateuch, the Pentateuch, Penta meaning five. The only books they accepted were, were Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The rest they didn't care about. And the Sadducees said, in the five first books of the Bible, we find no 
mention of resurrection. And therefore, we reject the idea of res resurrection. And of course, they came with the stupid story, the stupid question of the woman and the seven husbands. People have always wondered what happens after death. It goes back thousands and thousands of years. You know, the, the Norsemen, they would take their hero Vikings and, and set them a, a, adrift in a, a blazing boat and they would go on to Valhalla and drink mead with Odin. The Romans had Chiron, who, who ferried people across the Styx River, the river of death, and brought them to the netherworld. The Egyptians built these wonderful, wonderful structures, the pyramids, which were really places to keep the body of the pharaoh so that the pharaoh could be raised from the dead. Someone had called them, has called the pyramids resurrection machines. And they were for the pharaoh. And no thought was given to all the Joe lunch buckets who built it. The Greeks talked about the immortality of the soul. That came from Plato, because Plato talked about the soul being immortal. And in a lot of Greek philosophy, things were inferior. And the body and the flesh were inferior. And, and this soul, this immortal thing, dwelt inside the body like a bird in a cage. And the Greeks thought that when a person died, this immortal soul left the body like a bird leaving a cage. And it went to the realm of ideals, the, the realm of the spirit. Uh, they taught the immortal soul. Now, that's a, that's a wonderful teaching about Plato. But then he has no authority at all. He didn't know what he was talking about. Because we, Christians, we don't talk about the immortality of the soul. That's not a Christian teaching. The Christian teaching is resurrection. The Christian teaching is that we're a complex thing of body, mind, and spirit. But when you die, it all dies. And then by the power of God. And Jesus said to them, you don't know the power of God. That's why you deny resurrection. God gives life again to the dead. So we teach, we teach resurrection. Now in the whole Old Testament, the clearest, the clearest reference to resurrection comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 12. And Daniel is one of the newest books of the New Testament. And in general, in, uh, Daniel chapter 12, it says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But for the Sadducees, this didn't matter because it was not in the first five books of the Bible. So here they come with this question about resurrection. And Jesus says to them, you don't know what you're talking about. 
You know neither the scripture nor the power of God. He says to them, you don't know your own Bible. And he pointed them to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Now, Exodus chapter 3 is about Moses tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro. Remember that Moses killed an Egyptian soldier, fled from Egypt, went to Midian, got married. So he spent the first 40 years of his life being a somebody. The next 40 years of his life, he was a nobody. And he was out in the desert, tending the sheep, and he saw this burning bush. And he went and looked at it. And God called out to him said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And God said, I am the God of, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus said to them, now look, in that passage, God didn't say, I was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus said, he is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And this means that already Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had been resurrected. And you don't even know that in the books of the Bible that you value. You're wrong. But then there was this question about, about, about the woman and the seven men. And uh, they, thought, they thought about heaven the way they, they think about earth. And we do that. You know, we think about heaven the way we think about earth. The Pope says that animals go to heaven. I don't know how he knows that. Do your pet dogs and cats go to heaven? I don't know that. I don't know where he knows that. What about the dead fish that I flushed down the toilet? <laughs> See, I think he's claiming to know more about in heaven than he really knows. I don't know what happens to our pets. We'll find out someday. And of course, there's the guy who... who Asked his pastor when they if they play golf in heaven. I'd like to know that, and so the pastor said, "Well, uh, I'll do some research on that." And he came back a few days later and said, "Well, I've got some good news and some bad news." And he said, "What's the good news?" He said, "The good news is yes, they play golf in heaven." Well, what's the bad news? Well, you tee off in an hour. So he claimed, claimed to know more about heaven than he knew. And the, and the Sadducees claimed to, claimed to know that heaven was like earth. And they had to figure out all this, this wife business. And then Jesus said something that, as I thought about it at first, it makes heaven a little less heavenly. Because Jesus said, when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. 
And if I can't be with my bride of 54 years in heaven, that makes heaven a little less heavenly. Unless, unless heaven is so wonderful that you put all those things aside and enjoy what God gives you there in heaven. Now, we don't know much about heaven. We speculate, but we don't know much. But I want to tell you an illustration about imagining heaven. And this is an, an illustration about, about a gorilla. In Tacoma, Washington, there was a gorilla kept in a shopping center in Tacoma for 27 years in a cage that was 40 by 40. 27 years. This beast of the, of the, of the forest was in this cage for 40, 27 years, 40 by 40. And some animal rights people objected. And his name was Ivan. And Ivan was given to an animal sanctuary in Seattle. And I'd like you to imagine if Ivan's trainer, if Ivan's keeper, could talk to Ivan and tell him what was coming. Could Ivan make sense of it? Can you imagine that? This guy, can, he can talk to Ivan. Let's just, just go along with this, okay? <laughs> so he comes to Ivan and he says, Ivan, we're going to move you. And you're going to be in a place where there are no bars. No, no bars? Well, the bars, of course, kept him in, but the bars also kept people away from him. And after a while, those bars became a, a sense of security. And Ivan couldn't imagine no bars. And the trainer said, and, and you're going to be outside. What does outside mean? All he ever knew was inside this building. You're going to be outside, and you're going to be in the sun. What is the sun? And it's going to rain on you. What is rain? And the stuff you walk on is going to be, going to be soft and green. It's called grass. He said, what's what is grass? Can imagine? And there are no people. You couldn't imagine there are no people. And there'll be other gorillas. There are other gorillas? Can you imagine? That I've, however, it was explained to him, he was not able to understand it because. Everything that this trainer was talking about was outside of his experience. So when they move Ivan to this place, Ivan can say only one thing. Wow. This is more than I ever imagined. And that's what heaven is like. The book of Revelation talks about streets of gold and gates of pearls, and there's, there's no night there and no, no crying, no sickness, no pain anymore. And the throne of God is there. All of that, those are all just superlatives. 
Can you, can you imagine streets of gold? Well, it's better than that. Heaven is so wonderful, we can't begin to imagine it. St. Paul once wrote, Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man. What good things, what good things God has prepared for us. How many of you know uh, the song Born and Cry? I was there, let me see. I was there to hear your born and cry. This is a song that is sung by God to us. And I want to read it for you. It's about, it's about all of life from the beginning to the end. Here's how it goes. I was there to hear your born and cry. I'll be there when you were old. I rejoice the day you were baptized to see your life unfold. I was there when you were but a child with a faith to suit you well. In a blaze of light you wandered off to find where demons dwell. When you heard the wonder of the word, I was there to cheer you on. You were raised to praise the living Lord to whom you now belong. If you find someone to share your time and you join your hearts as one, I'll be there to make your verses rhyme from dusk till rising sun. In the middle ages of your life, not too old, no longer young, I'll be there to guide you through the night, complete what I've begun. And then this, when the evening gently closes in and you shut your weary eyes, I'll be there as I have always been with just one more surprise. I've thought about what it's like to wake up in heaven. Your first experience of the glory of God. Wow! What a surprise! Better than anybody could ever imagine. I'll be there as I have always been with just one more surprise. So, it may be that we're not given in marriage. It may be that that's over. But however it is, what God has prepared for us is beyond our imagination. And it's wonderful. Jesus said, I've got a room prepared for you. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. You've got a room there. It's got your name on it and everything will be good. Now, back to the sermon series. Next week, 
there's another question, but this is not Stump the Carpenter. This is a wonderful young man who asks a great question. And Jesus loved this guy because he asked, he said, Teacher, which commandment is the greatest commandment? And you know the answer to that, right? There were two of them. Don't have to tell you what the answer is, because we all know that. When he finished that, then Jesus attacked all the religious leaders, and he called them hypocrites. As if things weren't bad enough already, he stirred up the pot some more. And he called them hypocrites. And on, on the basis of that, they decided to kill him. And in a day or two, he was dead. If they had been smart, they would have let Jesus die of old age. He would have been a pain in the neck for the short haul. But they would have been rid of him for the long haul. If they had obeyed their religion and not gotten involved in murder, that would have been the smart thing. But they didn't do that. They plotted and schemed, and they had him crucified. And the unintended consequence of that was a savior and open doors to heaven. Amen.